So it took me by surprise when I hear this massive thud in the ground. And I immediately turned around and I see this player literally beating his club in the ground in frustration. And I'm curious at this point. <laughs> so I'm now watching and a few more shots and then I see the club just go heaving down the range. And now I'm super intrigued. So I have to walk over and see what's going, what's going on with this player. So I asked him, I just said, you know, what's going on? Why are you so frustrated? And he said, bro, I've been out here grinding. I'm, you know, out here hours every day working and I'm still hitting it poorly. And I feel like all this work I'm putting in is not effective. And I said, that's interesting. I said, so tell me a little more about like, you know, what's going on with that? Like, what are you doing? He's like, well, you know, I'm working on these things in my swing, and you know, and I, I was watching him too. And every time he seemed to get more and more into like what his swing was doing, um, almost to the point where it looked very controlling. And he's like, you know, I'm really working on this. I know it'll pay off. And I just <laughs> kind of looked at him, um, not to poke, but I said, oh, how's that working for you? And he looked at me and said, not freaking good, with a little more foul language than that. Um, so I just asked him, I kind of plugged into it a little bit more and said, you know, just tell me about, you know, what your goals are, what you're trying to do. And, um, you know, he's just like, well, you know, I really want to get to low 70s or break par. And, you know, I'm like kind of high 70s right now. And I'm stuck there. And you know, I know if I change these things in my swing and if I spend these hours on the range, you know, I'll get there. And I just kind of asked him again, I said, dude, how's that working for you? He's like, it's, I feel like I'm going backwards. And I said, well, it's interesting. You should really think about that. And I started to walk away. I mean, I didn't have any intention of, you know, going any further than that. And he just asked me, he said, well, what would you do? You know, how would you advise me? And I said, I don't really think that's my place. He said, no, I like, I'm really curious. And I just said, honestly, I would get you off the range for at least, you know, a week, if not two. And you can play, but keep it kind of minimal. Like, take some time and chill and just just play golf. Um, and he did. And he uh, sent me a message after, like, almost in frustration, just saying, I can't believe this. You know, I just played the best round of my life, literally. Um, and I didn't practice at all. Like, I wasn't on the range, didn't video my swing. Um and this is actually a pretty common occurrence where we have to back people off of practice sometimes. And there's reasons for that. And there's reasons that helps you really excel. And we're going to go through all of that in this episode right now. Welcome to the Go Low Show, where it's about golf, grit, and your pursuit of greatness. My name is Kyle Aldrink, and I am your co-host, along with my man, John Weir, mental game coach extraordinaire. And in this podcast, we're going to show you everything that you need to know about how to go low in your golf game. And we're excited to bring you that show right now. Expect anything different? Is it his time? Yeah! All right, it's time to go. All right, John. So we actually got a question on from one of our users, 
It says, why do I play better with less practice? And I thought we just had to do an episode on this and talk about a couple different points because there is definitely something to that. And that's not the first time I've heard it. And I've actually had to back quite a few people off of practice and specifically off of the driving range. So let's get into why a player might actually thrive with less practice versus more, because that's essentially what everybody hears, right? Put in that time, grind it out, you know, hours upon hours. The more you do, the more you outwork people. But I think there's actually some things that can um, be harmful with that. What do you think? Yeah, I think golf is the unique game that you could practice more and get worse. I don't know too many other things in life that that can happen, but golf certainly can. And I think it stems first off when you look at, you'd have to evaluate how a player is practicing. So what can be detrimental is if you go get consumed and just some block style repetition work um, and you're just trying to beat balls. A lot of players have been taught through their coaches and things that if they could hit their seven iron, you know, 50 times within this area, their their swing's good. And all that does is really produce a pseudo confidence. But if you can get consumed too much in that block style and rake and hit, and you can actually do detriment to your golf swing. So I think first and foremost, um, going back to that original question, the first thing you have to evaluate is how you practice. And I think personally, once you have a, a groove golf swing, you got to limit your time on what I would call your foundational work or working on like that, the foundational skill sets to hit it well. And if you can easily get consumed in that and, and lose track of it, I mean, I was talking with the pro this week who just gets locked on the range and gets consumed in drills. So you have to kind of limit that style of practice. And I think the better style of practice are things that are a lot more transferable. So when players are quote unquote doing more challenges or more games on the range or even working that way as a way to foster skill sets, I think they get a lot further and a lot more transfers better to the golf course. Um, So I think if you're a block person putting in hours and hours and hours trying to just repeat a, a swing, um, I think that's a position where you're not going to go out and translate well to the course. And so you might have a great looking golf swing, but you might not have scores to match it. For sure. And, you know, again, we have our program, the practice of great practice. And, you know, in that are basically, we're trying to tell you if you're practicing your technique, especially that block style, more than 20% of your practice is probably not going to be productive, but that's a, that is definitely an area that I've seen for years and years that players can go down is, you know, they're going to do one or two things. They're going to stand on the range and they're going to hit it well and want to keep hitting it well until they essentially start hitting it bad or they're hitting it bad and they're sitting there trying to fix it the entire time. But the common denominator is they're almost waiting for something to go wrong and then they're reacting to the moment and fixing. So they're never truly building off of the things that they need to do. They're never actually working on their process and how they think, which is kind of crazy because what we know, and especially what we know with mental golf type, we know those thoughts that you have are the key to everything. They're the key to your success and your process is the key to your success. So if we're not actually spending time doing that and we're not spending time with variability and learning to what's called reading and planning, which is looking at a situation, making a decision about it, and then executing. When you take that away and you do repetitive actions, like your brain essentially goes in autopilot and you kind of stop learning, but you're not doing anything like you said that is transferable at that point. 
So that is an area where, you know, players standing on the range for too long can get kind of harmful. And like you said, golf is a unique game because it's really the only game that's played that's not played on the field of battle. So you got to ask yourself, like, how many times are you hitting a seven or number one, which is super small for most population? And how many times are you hitting it on a flat lie? And how many times do you do that with a pile of balls next to you for, you know, just to rake it over and hit it? Like, it doesn't make a lot of sense. So if you're, you know, when you're walking in from behind the ball when you play, but you're standing to the side of it and raking it over, there's already a disconnect there. So there's so many disconnects that happen in practice, like you were saying. And I mean, that's again, when you just spend a lot of time doing that, that's really where some things can go poorly. So sometimes just backing off definitely helps with that. Sure. And I mean, I think if you're if you're beating balls and you're doing a lot of repetition work, like I said, you have a pseudo confidence. So you have this expectation that you have whenever you go to the course and you have an expectation to see that same ball flight occur again and again on the golf course. But like you alluded to just a moment ago, when that repetition work was being done, the wind was the same, grass was the same, conditions were the same. And as soon as we step onto the course, we've added in a whole new variable. And so our expectations are through the roof on what our, our swing's going to do, um, but typically it's not going to transfer over. And so um, it's not saying that practice is bad, but I think, like, again, you got to really limit some of the repetition work. It takes a lot of discipline and a lot of effort to be working your process on the range and practice effectively. Uh, I, I joke with my pros and say, this is where you're being paid. Like this is, this is what they're paying you for, to have effective, deliberate practices. So great, simple ways to be able to kind of bring your mindset into it more and get your process going and have a little more effective practice is to go out there and, and constantly variable your shots. So you can keep the same club in your hand, but like with the pro I'm working now, we're doing a stock shot, then we're doing a knockdown shot. Then we go back to stock, then we go back to knockdown. And even this simple variation right there, it's, it's changing and it's getting closer to what you're going to be doing on the golf course, which is going to be hitting variable shots. Better yet, we just continue to simulate what we're going to do on the range. So he's getting prepped for an event. And I said, well, do you have your yardage book? And he didn't have his yardage book at first. Um, he brought it to practice uh, today. And what do we do? We're practicing the deliberate shots in sequence that we're going to have out on the golf course. And by doing that, you're, you're actually doing very deliberate prep for the course that you're going to play. You're walking through the shots you're going to hit. You're sequencing your shots. And even if your performance on the range during that time isn't, isn't as good as you would like, you're still creating a more transferable route to be able to go to the course and perform. So I think that the question really comes back to is like, it's not about how much you're practicing, but how effective. And so by doing some variabilities, varying your ball flights, changing and sequencing your clubs, you're creating a situation for yourself that models your performance. And again, you're gonna have a lot more comfort and, and familiarity when you get to the course. It's gonna be a lot easier to put a good number up. Yeah, I mean, quality versus quantity for sure. You know, and, and also just on top of that, you know, spending a lot of time swinging and stuff and overusing the muscles is a real thing. I mean, injury in golf, which I never would have thought being younger, but injury in golf actually is a thing. and. Um, when you overuse those muscles, that's, that can be a real deal, but kind of moving on to your point here, you know, the other thing is the expectations people have of what good practice is, um, I think is a huge disconnect. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, essentially players will, again, get that pile of balls. They'll sit there and do some swing drills and they'll, they'll hit it well and be like, all right, cool. That was good. 
But again, they didn't really learn anything from there and they didn't have to solve any problems. They didn't have to overcome any struggle. And that's just under pressure. That's no pressure. So then they get out onto the course and now like they're going through their process and there's pressure and, you know, if something goes wrong, they're trying to figure it out. And they've never really spent the time in practice going through those solutions because they've never created any kind of challenge for themselves. And to be, you know, to be honest, I think golf is one of the hardest games to simulate pressure and there's, you know, little things you can do, but essentially one of the golden nuggets of really good practice is to set goals and challenges of I'm going to accomplish this and make it hard. So just a basic example of I'm going to make 30 what I call perfect makes from three feet. You know, a perfect make would be just high side of the hole, just kind of pouring in like a waterfall, perfect speed. So I'm going to make 30 of those and I get two misses. Like that's really hard to do. And if I don't do it, I'm going to restart. Well, going through that and setting that challenge, like you're probably going to get frustrated, but that frustration is almost like working out and trying to get that last rep up. Like that's what's making you stronger. But again, if we just sit there with, you know, a lima stick and you're just sitting there hitting the same three foot putt in over and over, like that's doing nothing to help you do something under pressure. So that's like another big area of just spending all that time and it actually becomes pretty unproductive. Yeah. And I think too, going back to the original question of the players, like, why am I performing a little better whenever I'm practicing less? And just going back to the general mentality, we've talked before about the shot allowance. And I think whenever you have a little less practice, your expectations kind of come back in check and you stay a lot more present in the round. And so you're not putting unnecessary pressure on your golf swing to perform per se. And there seems to be a little bit more flexibility because if it was a little bit errant shot, rather than being like really hard on yourself, which sometimes can happen whenever you're putting in hours and hours of practice and why it wasn't perfect, you go, hey, this is still pretty good. And I haven't put a lot of time in. And so you kind of relax a little bit out there and you ease up a little on yourself mentally. And I think that's what helps the players in those situations just stay in a good place throughout their round and not make their mistakes something really personal or you know, kind of catastrophic to what they're trying to do. And it sometimes can happen if you're just beating balls with the expectation of swing isn't there now. So bring in all kinds of other elements. So why does it work like that? I think we can match that mentality, though, by incorporating the shot allowance. And when we bring the shot allowance in, we can kind of have that same type of feel on the course where we're not being so hard on ourselves and we can just flow more. Uh, And when we combine that with quality practice, I think that's a really big recipe for success. Yeah, that's good. And let's let's dive into the shot allowance a little bit more. So I'll ask you this. If a player was going to shoot, let's say 77, we'll just throw just kind of a a random number out there. If they're going to shoot a 77 under pressure, like how many poor shots can they hit and minus the out of bounds and all, you know, something very damaging. But how many just kind of missed shots, you know, poor shots can they actually hit and execute that? You know, what would a good shot allowance for them be? I would say you're looking at, I mean, if we use Walter Hagen as our model, which is where I heard it from and who I've adopted it from, uh, his shot allowance every round was eight. And that's some, that's so if you're looking at a 77, this, this is a guy, he's won multiple majors. (laughs) Right. I mean, how many majors has Hagen have? I think 11 or 13 or something like that. I mean, he's got, he's got a lot yeah so i mean hagan's got a lot so his shot allowance at his level was eight 
Now, his criteria for what would constitute one of the eight is probably a little more demanding than some your average player or an amateur. Um, but I would still mm-hmm. think like my general rule with players is giving them about like a 10 to 11 shot allowance shots for the course where they weren't completely satisfied with it. And where do you th- where do you feel like 10 or 11 would equate to, to score? Um, 10 or actually like having those shots off. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're going to be mid to upper seventies, but the thing is, is like, it's no telling how many shots you add on by taking a shot too serious. Right. Like if you can't let go of a shot, there's no telling how many more poor swings are going to follow and what that's going to relate to in your golf score. So most of the time when a player has actually really embraced the shot allowance, they never even get near the 10 shot mark. So what typically I see with players is, is they get so attached to one or two bad results and because of their attachment to them and the replaying and the frustrations and everything they're experiencing, that's what leads to the 10 more bad shots. But with them relinquishing it, it tends to correct the ship a lot quicker. Most of the time, players come out and say, well, you know, I only had like three or four swings I'd take back. Hmm. I mean, it's it's a long round of golf if you're thinking that everything's going to be perfect. I mean, it really is. It's That's a long day. So when you, when you embrace the fact that you're going to take some punches – and there's going to be miss hits. Um, things just go a lot better. And what's crazy to me is I feel like professionals understand that a lot better than amateurs even. And maybe that's because the amateurs are watching golf on TV and see all the perfect shots and, and so forth. But I'm even baffled when I have players in the, in the studio, like the indoor studio, and have shot tracers on it. And the, you know, somebody who shoots like around 80 will see the ball draw a little bit like a five-yard draw and they'll get upset it's curving i'm like what do you really believe that ball should be doing like it's almost baffling to me uh some of the expectations that some players have and you know i remember justin rose coming out when Trackman first came out he's like man i really appreciate what it actually takes to hit a good shot because a degree or two at the club face can cause a lot of variance and i mean you're out there on the on the regular watching professionals and some of the best players in the world i mean how much struggle and dispersion and shots are you actually seeing out there um i mean you see a good bit of it i mean it depends on the day um but sure uh because they're so confident you see them rolling with the the punches a lot better um you see that the pro level they just they maintain their confidence after a poor shot they may not be satisfied with it but they don't lose the confidence in their swing or their technique or their ability to find a way to get the ball in the hole. And so I find a lot of amateurs or aspiring professionals haven't developed that level of self-confidence and security in what they've worked so hard to develop. And I think I see them relying on that a lot more out there, but you do see a big dispersion of shots. You see guys struggle out there um, for sure. Um, but they they tend to be rolling with the like the the adversity a lot better, and they're putting themselves in a position at least mentally to stay competitive. Uh, they might not always figure out what they need to do with their swing on the course, but mentally, uh, the majority of the guys at the tour level I've seen they stick with it, and and they're battling all the way to the finish. But their expectations certainly are not a perfection. But I think they expect that they can handle whatever situation they find themselves in. 
And I think the amateurs, by adopting some of that mindset and continuing to have a belief like, hey, I'll make that work. I have a shot for this. I, I know what to do here. Um, it helps transitioning from some of that adversity a lot easier and overcoming some of the mistakes. So essentially then, like you said, it's a, it's a two-parter, which is just how you're spending your practice time and then just expectations. And again, if you want to hear more about expectations, go back to the first season. we got a really great episode on that. But um, you know, with the practice stuff, I think there, there's two levels to that. So your amateur players who are can't not spend a lot of time practicing, essentially they have to be really good about staying disciplined to what they're doing. And then the competitive players, the ones who are really trying to elevate and they're the ones almost over practicing, like you all have to like really put into check what you're doing and how much time you're going to spend actually doing that. And again, if you're a judger versus a perceiver, that's going to look a little bit different and going to, again, understanding how you're wired and how your practices are best going to be suited for you is really, really important. But when you have that structure and you know what you need to accomplish, you can be a lot more efficient with it. But just showing up and spending hours, again, a lot of time is not productive. And especially as the competitive as the game is getting, you don't really have time to not, to not do that. And, you know, amateurs, again, when you have little time to practice, you know, if you have day jobs and things, you got to be really smart about staying on point and going, this is what I'm going to accomplish and this is how I'm going to do it. So you don't just go out there and start following the YouTube tip of the day or, you know, some crazy shallow the club out weird looking drill or something. But I mean, essentially, I think that's kind of the two zones we got to look at, right? Yeah, 100%. And I think that goes back to why sometimes practicing less produces better results. And if anything, I would encourage everybody get into trying to create as much scrimmage-like situations, game-like situations. Uh, get it back out of just repetitive ball beating. Give yourself some challenges. Get yourself up and down. Hit the zones. Uh, make it more competitive and more challenging. And you're going to find that's going to transfer more to the course. It's going to match a lot more of what you're going to do. And do your best in your practice, whether you have a lot of time or limited, to be performing on the range like you're performing on the course sequence your shots change up your flights change up your targets bring a lot of this variability in because you're not you, you're not going to get bring in the overbearing expectations that you create for yourself if all you're doing is block style and expecting that same performance on the golf course um, so practice a little smarter practice a little bit more games and challenges and then by all means let's let go of some of the expectations whether you're getting a, a lot of work in or not Let's ease up a little bit on, on what we're expecting and keep your expectations in the realm of locking down those three Ps, being the most positive player on the golf course and, and keeping that self-belief, being patient out there with yourself. This means letting go of some poor swings, know you have a shot allowance, and locking down high-quality processes. If your expectations are there, you're going to find your scoring average is going to drop and you're going to perform well, whether you start off well or not. You're going to find a groove. And um, it's going to help you perform better whether you're practicing a lot or a little. So be the best in your three Ps, and you're going to find yourself performing a lot better. All right, John. Well, great episode. Always good to be on with you, man. You bring straight fire. And uh, this was a fun episode to talk about because it's a really interesting one. You know, we think of practices, you know, the more we're out there, the better it can be. And sometimes that can actually work against you. So, you know, take these lessons to heart. We really appreciate you all following. Uh, and your support. It's really fun to be able to help even on the smallest level. And uh, 
you know, again, thanks for following the Go Low Show. If you haven't yet, make sure to get your mental golf type for free because that is the blueprint to unlocking your best self. www.mentalgolftype.com. And again, keep following the Go Low Show. We got some more great episodes coming out in the weeks coming. So thank you again. We'll see you in the next show.